Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Kevin Henry, one of the, the co-experts on Rocks Pile, joined as always by a good friend and fellow co-expert, and that's Noah Yingling. Noah, what is going on on a Friday night without baseball? Not much, but I think you have a little bit more going on because you have snow there. I don't. So, Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking outside right now, and I got to be honest with you, the snow has gone away, at least where I live. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I wish we could have played tonight. Uh, I wish that there would have been a game. Uh, but I understand getting the field safe and ready is a little different than my backyard too. So, you know, Hey, so we now have a double header. We now have two games on Saturday afternoon uh, and then one on Sunday with those New York Mets. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, uh, we've got a new sponsor here for the podcast. Excited about that. Noah, tell us more. First, before I, t- I tell you about our new sponsor, I do have to say with the backyard, Especially if Coors Field isn't ready, you don't want mean tweets from Marcus Stroman coming out. So you don't want that. You do, well, and you know we they've landed in a blizzard. They're playing the Packers. Kevin Pillar doesn't know what he's doing back in Colorado. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, and I mean Marcus Stroman already complained about the Mets making the decision to play in the rain. So he'd just absolutely annihilate the Rockies for wanting to play in the snow. So well, you can't risk that. You, you can't, and Marcus should get a Sunday afternoon, nice sunny day, uh, just so you know. But, hey, I'm hungry. I'm just saying. Well, I Speaking wonder of which, I our sponsor. <laughs> the Rocks Pile Rockies Report is brought to you in part by Earth Echo Foods Cacao Bliss. It's a chocolate that will help you remove cravings, facilitate weight loss, boost your energy, and reduce inflammation, all while being gluten and soy-free, as well as paleo, keto, vegetarian, and vegan-friendly. 
Currently, they are offering 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15 at checkout at earthechofoods.com backslash media. That's MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash media and start eating chocolate the guilty freeway today. Side note on that too, if you order right now, I saw earlier today, they are running with, they have the promo code. They also have 25% off and they have free shipping $50 or more. So you could get three offers right now. Sounds like a good deal. I like it. Well, we appreciate them sponsoring the show. Uh, We're glad to have them on board and we are glad to talk about a series where the Rockies are actually back home. Uh, we'll talk a little bit after uh, the break about the 0-6 trip through California. But, no, let's focus a little bit on those Metropolitans that are coming into town. Uh, I guess technically they're already here. Uh, they've been here since Thursday night, long before the Rockies got into town from L.A. So what we've got uh, tomorrow is two seven-inning doubleheaders. I am very, very interested in game one uh, because of Mr. DeGrom taking the mound. Uh, He will be going up against Chichi Gonzalez, and it is going to be very interesting, again, knowing that it's a seven-inning game as well. And that's one of the things where I could almost have a rant on it at the end of the podcast, which, side note, I'm going to have another one. So that's, that's why I'm not ranting on this. Quite ranting. In a way, I do like it because, like, for example, for the Rockies, um, it doesn't put as much strain on your bullpen um, because the starter's not going to go nine innings. Um, and especially when you have two games that you're playing, it puts less strain on the bullpen because there's, there's four innings right there we don't need out of you guys, assuming it doesn't go extra innings, which knowing the Mets' luck lately, both games are going to go to nine innings. So j- just fair warning on that. Um, so I guess they do the California tiebreaker starting in the eighth inning, right? Yeah. Which that's another thing that I, I don't particularly like, but there's some of the rule changes I actually do like. And there's some of like, for example, the DH, I think should stay, um, because nobody wants to go see a pitcher hit 100 or for example, last night, Austin Gomber goes up there with two out and two on you're up by two. And it's one, two, three, see ya. Where anybody else, I mean, granted the Rockies offense has not been the best as we'll talk about in the next segment. Um, But they, uh, pretty much anybody else is going to be more of a threat up there. Even if it's a nine hole hitter. But you send up a pitcher and one, two, three, see ya. Yeah, no, no argument. And obviously we will see the pitchers hit at Coors. Game one uh, with DeGrom versus Gonzalez. It should be a decent day tomorrow. Now, you know, looking at the forecast, it's going to be probably high 30s, low 40s. So, you know. It'd be a shame if it snowed again. It would be. a shame. I know. You know, I I don't think there's much of a chance of it. I hate to tell you. Even flurries. uh, None of that. Uh, The Seinfeld gift of him chewing on popcorn. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. And, and let's not forget Jerry Seinfeld, maybe the most, uh, the biggest uh, Mets fan. I don't know. Maybe you know? we'll see, because uh, Larry Walker was at Dodger Stadium. Maybe we'll see Larry Walker at Coors and Jerry Seinfeld. 
and and maybe Billy Crystal somewhere along the way. Too. There you go. You can't, you can't ever tell. I mean, it's very possible. bring along Mr. Met and Mrs. Met too. Bring them on. <laughs> Well, and one thing that I I checked out, uh, you know, we always talk about Coors being a hitter's paradise and bring on your altitude takes and everything else. Uh, so Mr. DeGrom has pitched there twice, has had two starts, obviously, you know, not a lot of chances there are Coors, but a 2.51 ERA. Uh, so that you know is what? like almost sky high for him. Yeah, it is, you know, <laughs> but, you know, comparatively speaking, it's sky high, sky high for him, but very good for anybody else. So, yeah. uh, and then let's talk the nightcap tomorrow night. Cause I think this is going to be a really interesting one. Joey Lucchese is going to be taking the mound for the Mets scheduled to at least uh, the pot, the Rockies, I should say are very familiar with him because of his days with the Padres. He has not had a lot of success at Coors field. Uh, in fact, he's one and two with a 5.56 ERA. Uh, during his Coors Field starts uh, during those days with the Padres. This will be his debut in the Mets rotation, and he's facing off against Herman Marquez. I'm very interested to see how that goes uh, because Herman has obviously not started the season looking like Herman Marquez. Yeah, and a lot of it has been the walks. And, I mean, that's Ben Gomber's problem too. Frankly, it's been the Rockies' problem in general. Um, but I mean, th- it was, it was through Herman's first three starts and Gomber's first two starts. Um, they led the NL tied. So one and one a or one a and one B, however you want to describe it in leading with walks because mm-hmm. Gomber had 11 and nine and a third innings and Marquez had 11 in 15 and two thirds innings. Um, so Marquez will be getting his fourth start. Gomber just had his third. Um, so obviously, right now with Marquez, last year his walk rate was uh, it was elevated, and it was at two point eight per nine innings. That was the highest he had had in his career, and right now he's at six point three. And and that's alarming because it's been fastball command, you know, and that's been well documented. Uh, I will just get a little teaser here. We are going to have an article on rockspile.com talking about Herman's early um, starts and some of the troubling signs that there could be there. Uh, so it's certainly going to tease that article that will be up Saturday on rockspile.com. And it's not like his strikeout rate is up either because it's gone down each of the last three years and this well, last year was 8.0 per nine innings and right now it is at 8.0 per nine innings he had 10.6 in 2018 9.1 in 2019 you know it's interesting if i think back to rocky's pitchers this year okay i can think of you know perfect world Austin Gomber's got that 12 to six curveball that he's already shown off and it's looking really sharp. John Gray's got his slider that bites. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why he's had success in the past has been that. And I always think of Marquez being the guy that's got that fastball. It's got some movement on it. And this year it just looks like it has not had the movement and it also hasn't been where he wanted it. And those are bad combinations, especially. And I just thought about this since you were talking about the slider curve slash whatever you want to call it with gray. I was, I've got MLB.tv and I watched the Rockies. I watched a lot of other games too. I believe it was the Orioles broadcasters. They were talking about this yesterday 
And they were talking about how it seems like in the last 10 years or so, and when I get your opinion on this, what do you think of it? Yeah. It seems like a lot of things are combinations now, or they're either combinations or old terminology that is been repurposed into the sabermetric lingo, like mm -hmm. the expected uh, uh, batting average or batting average on balls in play or um, RPM mm -hmm. for just, it's, it's not necessarily a new concept or like with the pitches, it's not, oh, a new concept of, oh, I've got a slider that has a bit of curve action on it. It just yeah. 15 years ago was called a slurve. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think it's something that's kind of one of those, whatever is old, it make is becomes new again somehow, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I just don't think it's as trendy. Uh, you know, we talk about these sinkers uh, that are being thrown out there right now that are in the mid to high nineties. And I'm just like, we never really talked about a sinker having that kind of velocity on it before. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like, so that seems like something that's new on the horizon as well, suddenly. But also too, I, I, in a way, I don't think it's new. I just think people called it a fastball at the time. Yeah. It's a fastball, <laughs> fastball with movement and now it's a sinker. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Yep. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then uh, let's touch on game three real quick, right before we take our first break here. So game three on Sunday, as we alluded to Marcus Stroman, who I'm going to tell you, Noah, you know, there's going to be a lot of focus on the Grom tomorrow. But Strowman has had a heck of a season so far. Uh, so the Rockies are getting two tough, tough draws in the three-game series. Yeah, and I've, I think he is he, – he almost falls into the Bryce Harper category for me where he has pitched really well in some stints, and he's um, – very vocal on the field. He is not known for being a quiet guy, nope. um, but he, he still hasn't, at least in my opinion, lived up to the hype um, because he had in 2017, he came in eighth in the uh, AL Cy Young award voting when he was with Toronto yep. and he was an all-star in 2019. He won a gold glove in 2017 as well, but that that's really it. So for, I, in a way, I compare him to Harper because he had that one really good year in 2016. And he, he's been good since, but he's not, he's not been elite since. Right now, he's, he's pitching at an elite level. 12 innings, he's allowed one run. Um, but I, I, one, I really want to see how he pitches at Coors. Yep. And two, I want to see for this season, does he pitch at that top 10 Cy Young? award level or is it the middle of the road level or is it the classic Mets level where now Granny's spent part of the season with Toronto in 2019 but it's like with DeGrom where oh he's he's 10 and 9 with an ERA of 2 okay so that just means the Mets offense is garbage like usual but <laughs> but yeah. like in 2019 for example Toronto never gave him any run support he was 6 and 11 and you look and now that's why some people say kill the win, but he was six and 11. And you're like, wow, six and 11, yeah. but he got a sub three RA. 
Well, and, and then there's the question of how does last year affect him this year? Because yeah. we know he did not pitch last year, yeah. uh, you know, COVID and everything else. And obviously he's come out very strong. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I'll be very interested to see what Coors does for him. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the Rockies offense can do. Uh, obviously coming off a, uh, let's, let's just call it what it is, a pretty horrific six games uh, away yeah. from Coors. Uh, we're going to talk about that right after the break. Uh, so stick with us here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And we are back on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report, brought to you by rockspile.com. Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling, the two site experts for rockspile.com. And Noah, as we alluded to before the break, the Rockies are coming in in desperate need of something positive to happen. After an 0-6 swing through California, Giants, Dodgers, and a lack of offense. Uh, this is a team that desperately needs something good to happen this weekend. And again, they're going to have to do it against two really darn good pitchers in uh, Stroman and DeGrom. Yeah. And with the Rockies in general, I mean, we discussed about discussed this before the road trip. It was perhaps the biggest road trip of the season. Yeah. I, I hate to say that because it's, it's still early but you lose every single game. Not a good start. Considering that also too, they're three and 10 and they have only gone three and 10 in their first 13 games, two other times. And that's uh, three and 10. There's no worse record. And that was 2005 when they lost 95 games. And that was 2019 when they lost 91 games. Can you really say at, at this point, can you say that the Rockies are going to be better than a 71 and 91 team? The answer is no. For 99% of people. I agree. I'm going to play devil's advocate though. And I'm not got out my purple pom-poms here or anything else. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I, but I am going to say seven games to start the season against the Dodgers, knowing how stacked the Dodgers are. Granted, they've had the Diamondbacks at home, took two out of three. They've had the uh, Giants on the road, got swept. Offense was not existent. What happens whenever they aren't facing the Dodgers? I think this week is going to be a really good test. You've got home games against the Mets, the Astros, and the Phillies, all coming to Coors. And I think that, you know, you're all finally three pretty good teams too. They are, you know, it's not like these are slouches, but can the Rockies find anything positive? And, and I'm going to say they will, but it's a matter of how much and how much of these first few games. And, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, those first 10 games of the year and how big those were going to be. And then you top on another Dodger series on top of that. And it, it has been, unfortunately, the worst case scenario to come out of it. Yeah. And as, as they say, and uh, this is part of the reason why I, I think the Rockies are doomed. Uh, they were doomed before, but they're really doomed now. You can't win a pennant in April, but you can lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they're in a hole. And it's a hole that right now the roster is not constructed to dig out of. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest here. This is not a roster that is built that if they fell behind the Dodgers and the Padres in the West, that they were going to be able to somehow magically 
get better as the season goes along. Well, and I mean, even yesterday, okay, and yesterday meaning the last game of the Dodgers series because we're uh, recording this on Friday night. Um, you looked at the lineup and we all thought the same thing. Wow. With Story out of the lineup, Blackman, who's been spotty this year, but you look at the lineup and you're like, holy crap. They're, what are you supposed to get offense-wise? Uh, granted, yeah. they, they, sco- they scored five runs, but when you're facing a team like the Dodgers, and now granted that they aren't facing the Dodgers until after the All-Star break, but there's going to be a lot that's going to happen between now and then. If Story <laughs> is traded, if Blackman is traded, if Crone is traded, I mean, you're going to have Ryan McMahon, who's he's been one of the few bright spots to start the season. Definitely. You're going to have a bunch of guys who haven't played above AAA yet. Yeah. And it, it's hard to sit here and say, well, this guy can provide the offense. Mac has been, as you said, one of the great bright spots of this team. Uh, you know, he's uh, heading into Friday. He was second in the National League in homers with six. Uh, you know, I read something from, uh, I think it was Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post said all six of those homers have been hit in Rockies losses. Yeah. Uh, you know, now granted, there's only been three wins, so maybe that's not a complete surprise. But yeah. still, <laughs> it, it, show, it shows that even in the, the wins, it's had to be somebody else who's produced for the Rockies. And I think back to that opening day win over the Dodgers, and we think about the things that went wrong for the Dodgers in that game, you know, not, not taking anything away from the Rockies. Don't get me wrong, but there were a lot of things that went wrong for the Dodgers as well. You know, the, the home run turned into a single, some really bad throws, you know, there was a lot in there as well. Yeah. And you, you won't take anything away from the dot from the Rockies and winning, but, but I'll fill in for you on that. Uh, the, the Dodgers, they, they played like crap in the first game. Yeah. And I mean, a part of it was bad luck um, because as we've discussed, Rymel Toppy is not great in the outfield. And whether you want to, you want to give him a pass on the play in the outfield, or I should say numerous plays in the outfield, then you, you can, but he's, he's at best an average outfielder. And there's a reason why that was the number one thing he was working on in spring training. Right. But in that first game, the Dodgers right away, you were like, oh, okay, they've got, uh, they've got the world series hangover. They've shown that they haven't had that sense considering they have the best record in baseball. It also helps that they've faced the Rockies seven times, but um, the thing is, especially with a young team, Obviously, you aren't going to win every game. No team is going to. But there were some games where they were competitive, but then there were some of them, especially like in the road trip. I mean, they'd score one run scored in the first inning. Oh, game over. Yeah. You could just tell right away. And I mean, like with Antonio Sensatella's comments, too, about the Dodgers. He was like, "Eh, they're the Dodgers. Uh, okay, so what are you going to do about it? It's not, oh, we're facing the Dodgers. It's one, two, three. Let, let's get out of here. We lost three in a row. It's, it's almost seemed like they've lost so much against the Dodgers. And I, 
I know this isn't the case, but in a way it's like, oh, we're facing the Dodgers. Okay. We're willing to give three up. It just seems like that when they're playing on the field. And especially when you're this early in the season, that's not a, that's not something that's good. (laughs) No, I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned that they don't see the Dodgers now for a while. Yay. But guess who they do see quite a bit? The Padres. Exactly. The team that supposedly is gunning for the Dodgers. Uh, You know, we're getting ready to watch Dodgers and Padres for the first time this season tonight uh, on a Friday night here as we record this. Uh, You know, I'm almost – play along with me here for a minute now. So I'm going to take away the Padres and Dodgers, okay? And I know this isn't reality, but play along with me. Because we've talked on previous podcasts about really for the Rockies this year, it's measuring themselves against the Giants and the Diamondbacks in the NL West. So you've already had two series against two of those teams, one at home against Diamondbacks, one on the road against the Giants. We know the Giants series came straight from altitude to sea level. There's a great article on our site if you want to see about the course hangover, you know, but they are two and four in those games against those two other teams that they're really jockeying with in the national league West. Those are the games that I'm going to be watching, you know, and, and I'm, I hate to say it, but you, you know, that they've got a much better shot at those games when NL West play happens than they do. If a Padres or a Dodgers is on, is on the other side of the field. And that's one thing if fans or media members like us think like with the Dodgers, oh, easy, one, two, three, they're out. But when the players think that, like I said, that, that's a massive problem when you, you aren't even two weeks into the season and you're, oh, well, they're the Dodgers. It's, I, I really don't know what we can do. Well, you know, and I think back to some of those spring training comments that we've heard about. We talked about, you know, Kyle Freeland, the snake in the grass and, you know, all these that we heard about in spring training. And it was very clear that the Rockies players were reading the clips. They were hearing what we were saying. They oh. were, you know, and, and now we're into the season and I realize they're reading the clips about the teams they are playing as well. Yeah, and it's and it's very obvious that as you said with some of Sinzatella's comments, that there's a we're not at that level right now, and they're not. I mean, yeah, just being perfectly honest, they're not. But at some point, you've got to say, okay, if we're not on that level, are we on this next level? And that's the Diamondbacks Giants. Yeah, and the thing is, I and we've discussed this before too is. Uh, that's part of the problem with the Rockies front office is okay. If you're a quote unquote, exceptionally talented team, you should not be going, uh, you should not be in February saying, okay, our best shot is the second wild card right now, because the arguably the two best teams in the national league and arguably the two best teams in baseball, especially because the Yankees haven't been tearing it up either. Um, the two best teams in baseball are the Dodgers and the Padres. Mm-hmm. So at best, you are going into the season gunning for the second wild card spot, hoping that there would be more playoff spots. It would be like last year. And in the, right now it's not going to be that. And I doubt it's going to be considering the season's already started. So you're going up against six or seven teams for one spot. In, to play including, one 
including this team that's coming to Coors Field this weekend. I mean, yeah. if you're really going to look at it that way. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are, I was on a Mets podcast earlier this week and the host, he said, I don't think they're that great of a team right now. Part of it is because they still have to show something as well, considering they just have a brand new owner. Yep. Um, but they, you still, they're still, they are leaps and bounds that they're not even in the, not even in the same zip code. They're not even the same state of talent level as the Rockies right now, because right now, well, look at, uh, look at a healthy Mets rotation. Now, granted, they don't have Cindergaard right now, but yep. let's say he's healthy. Jacob DeGrom would be the Rockies ace. Cindergaard would be the Rockies ace. You could argue Marcus Stroman would be the Rockies ace. And the problem is with that, the Rockies starting rotation is their strength. Yeah. So when they acquired Lindor this offseason, they have Carlos Carrasco, who's on the injured list right now. And he would be, if everybody's healthy, he would probably be their fourth or fifth starter. Um, now, granted, he's up there in years now. But he, he is one of the most underrated starting pitchers in all of baseball when he's healthy. And in fact, he, he's got Cy Young Award of votes. He would be the Rockies' ace. And the Mets are probably a wild card team right now. And all five pitchers, realistically, would be the ace in the Rockies' rotation. Well, and you mentioned it a minute ago, the thing that we kept hearing about in spring training for the Rockies was that the rotation was going to be their strength. And for that to happen, the rotation had to stay healthy and obviously had to perform at that high level. Now, neither one have really happened. Let's be yeah. perfectly honest. Uh, you know, I think, I don't think it's going too far out on a limb to say that Austin Gomber has overexceeded expectations. Uh, you know, uh, outside of that first game where he was wild at Coors, he's done relatively yeah. well. You know, uh, John Gray, again, has done relatively well. Uh, it's been the Senzatella and the Marquez that you expected them to kind of be your two horses, along with Freeland, who obviously has a pitch yet this year. Uh, so really, it's kind of flipped a little bit that the two guys that you maybe were a little bit of question marks coming into the year, so far at least, have been your strength. Yeah. And by the way, on Carrasco, with the exception of 2019, which, mind you, he was out half the season due to leukemia. Um, he sure. had uh, 2016 ERA plus 136. 2017, he came in fourth in the Cy Young Award voting. And he had an ERA plus of 139. It was 128 in 2018. And last year, it was 157. So with the exception of that 2019 year, is he not the Rockies ace at this point? If he was on the Rockies, sure. And no. he, and when he's healthy, he's going to be the Mets probably fourth starter. So that tells you all you need to know right there that the Mets are a better team. It does than the Rockies. And and again, you know, as you mentioned, uh, we've got the Rocks uh, Mets for three this weekend, off day on Monday, a weird two game series against the Astros a good team coming in another off day and then another weekend series against the NL East team with the Phillies. So we're going to talk a little bit more about an article from the athletic uh, with a suggestion that 
you know, was interesting. Uh, and then we are going to have Noah's rant as well. So stick with us after the break here on the Rock Spile Rockies Report. And we are back. Rock Spile Rockies Report brought to you by rockspile.com. Kevin Henry here with Noah Yingling. Noah, uh, one thing that you and I both read earlier today, uh, Jim Bowden had out his uh, eight, I forget what it was called, like eight things uh, eight, that could happen in the major league or something he'd like to see. Um, and one of his eight things was Theo Epstein coming in as that president role with the Rockies and what that could do to really right the Rockies ship. I think you and I both read it. We both said there's no way on God's green earth that's going to happen, but wouldn't it be cool? The only way that it would happen is if, well, A, Dick Monfort would have to see we aren't the team that we that I thought we had, which he has not seen that, uh, at least publicly. And I can tell you with about 99% certainty in private, it's the same way as well. Um, but yeah, it was eight early moves front offices should weigh. And um, I think the only way that um, they might be able to get Epstein is if he became a part owner, like Bowden proposes which yep. Epstein has mentioned that um, he would like to be a part owner. Um, that would be a huge move for the Rockies if they were able to get it done. But just the percentage chance of that happening right this second is uh, it, there's a better chance that you'd be struck by thunder snow right now in your house twice <laughs> than that happening this year. Yep. Maybe next year, maybe if the Rockies do go and lose 110 games, maybe Montford will decide to move on with Breidich or maybe even keep Breidich and then bring Epstein on as essentially Breidich's boss. But right now there is no way on God's green earth that's going to happen. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I think back to – obviously some of the miracle work that, that Theo has done in the past and he is the golden child. Yeah. You know, let's be honest, you know, everybody automatically uh, goes to, Oh, well, I bet Theo could fix this dot, dot, dot. I wonder, could Theo really fix the Rockies? Because part of fixing the Rockies is figuring out the altitude thing. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and so I think that that's another nut that a lot of people overlook that, for Theo to come in, yes, he'd want to be a part owner. Yes, he'd want to have power, but he also knows that this would be challenging his whole Golden Boy status as well because he's got to figure out how to fix not only playing at altitude, but what happens in that game when you go to San Francisco right after altitude as well. Yeah, and that, that would be – it would by far be the strongest challenge of his career. Yep. And he's already had that with two teams where – they, the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in nearly 100 years. Same with the Cubs, more than 100 years. Yep. Um, obviously, it's not that long for the Rockies, but just changing the organizational mindset and relying more on analytics. And, and not even necessarily relying more on analytics. It's having the data to see, okay, we need to use X, Y, and Z, but we don't necessarily need to worry about A, B, and C where the Rockies really don't have any of that right now. 
Um, and with Epstein, though, he, he could get away with a lot more because of his success. I mean, for example, Jeff, we, we always talk about this, but Jeff Breidich's brain surgeon comments. Yep. He, he, he can't get away with that because what has he done? What have the Rockies done? Nothing. Well, they have not won an NL West title at all. They've, they've gotten to the playoffs under Breidish's time via the wild card twice. And they've won one playoff game. If Theo Epstein said that, sure, he'd get flack. But also, too, he's won three World Series. He's got the credentials. Yeah. Yeah. So you could say, oh, he's got a, he's got a little bit more credibility in knowing how to win. Now, for example, with um, Terry Francona in Cleveland, um, he's been their manager for a long time now. And he was the manager under Epstein. He didn't succeed when he first started managing in Philadelphia. And then he went to Boston and he won World Series with them. And he's been, believe it or not, Cleveland's actually the most winning team of the 2010s. Or the, I believe it was actually 2014 to 2020. They were, they were the most winning team in all of baseball. I believe um, And if it wasn't all of baseball, it was the American League. But what have they won? Right. I, I, I just happen to know that stat because, A, I'm in the Cleveland area, but, B, I also saw it on MLB Network. What have they won? They have not won a thing. So, it, and with with Cleveland fans that's starting to run thin of, oh, he, he's been successful elsewhere. But also, too, he's been the Indians manager for the better part of a decade now. But if when, when he first came in, people were like, wow, the Indians got Terry Francona? We're going to win a World Series. Right. And, and there's, there's the question I want to ask you, because let's say the Red Sea parts, let's, see the, let's say the clouds open, and all of a sudden Theo Epstein is a part of the Rockies, okay? And again, highly, highly unlikely. But let's say something like that were to happen, and all of a sudden the fans go, wait a minute, there's a direction here. Wait a minute, there's a plan in place here. I think we would see such a mind shift as far as Rockies fans, at least knowing that there was something bubbling under the surface behind the scenes. And I think that that would generate so much of goodwill that needs to happen right now between a fan base and a front office that has completely lost each other. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I was uh, saying with the Indians, how they, the Indians were almost at that point because they had Richard Jacobs, who uh, the stadium that Cleveland played in was named Jacobs Field until they renamed it Progressive Field because of him. He sold to the Dolan family, and the Dolan family has been, um, to put it very mildly, um, very cheap in some ways. Now, they've signed some free agents who didn't necessarily pan out, um, but they, they did spend the money, but they just didn't necessarily spend it the right way now they're at the uh, they hired terry francona too when they for years dealt with guys like uh joel skinner who managed part of the season uh eric wedge and manny acta not necessarily hall of fame managers so the 
the Indians kind of brought in the Theo Epstein guy, but they haven't followed through with it. So, but in the 2014 to 20, I'd even say 19 period, the people were hyped up about it. You could contend 18, maybe not 19, but um, now Cleveland fans are kind of like, oh, same old, same old. Because, for example, the, the owner said about Francisco Lindor, enjoy him while we have him. That was two, three years before they traded him this offseason. So with the Rockies, I, it would help draw in fans right away. But the, the idea is great, but you still have to follow through with it. You do. And, and there's a window of goodwill, too. Like you said, there's a four to five year window that people expect results, even yeah. if you're Cubs or a Red Sox or an Indians or anything like that, for sure. And that's what happened with Epstein. I mean, when he went to the Cubs, they, they stunk. They, yeah. they, in 2012, they lost 105 or 106 games. But it ended up paying off in the end because they drafted well. They signed decent free agents. And then they won the World Series. Sure. Absolutely. That's all that matters for the Rockies. I mean, all the, all the bad free agent signings, poof, goes out of the way if you won a World Series. Because guess what? You won the World Series. It doesn't matter. Exactly. No, agreed. And, and all of a sudden, again, there's a direction, there's a focus, there's something to talk about other than what are we doing here? And, and that means a lot, I think, uh, at 20th and Blake right now, for sure. Yeah, and that's, that's something the Rockies have been lacking since Kelly McGregor left because yeah. he passed away yep. a decade ago. Yeah, and, and obviously his, uh, his legacy is still felt greatly uh, within the Rockies, uh, and it's a hole that they still haven't filled, obviously. Um, okay, so probably not going to happen. So no. knowing that, knowing that we're probably, you know, heading toward a season where, as you've written on rockspal.com, this is the most important season because we get to see, is Tapia the real deal? Is McMahon the real deal? Is Hampson the real deal? All these guys who have been, is Rogers once he gets healthy, uh, you know, all these guys that have, have needed playing time and the chance to prove themselves, this is the year. This is the season. And so far, outside of Mac, I can't say that there's anybody that you can point to and say, oh, they've been the man so far. Yeah. I mean, you can half-heartedly say it about Rymel Tapia. Um, but also, too, I mean, he when he's not on, you know it. Yeah. Because, well, A, you can see it, but also, too, he is not afraid to show it on the field. I mean, yesterday against the Dodgers, there were a few times where he didn't get hits and he's slamming his bat on the ground. Um, I think part of it is because the Rockies were just pressing in general. Yeah. But, um, and as we mentioned ad nauseum here today and, and in the past, he's not great defensively um, when he really needs to work on that. Um It'll be helpful if the Rockies do have the DH going forward, that if they do decide bat-wise he's good, but defensively he's still not there, they could use him, they could use Blackman, they could use a number of people there. But um, 
right now he's he's part of the way there um Hampson there's been some glimmers of hope there especially on the base paths with him yep but he just has to get on base more yeah and I, I think that could be said for a number of the Rockies, including yeah. a Charlie Blackman, including a Trevor Story, you know. Um, and and I don't want to overlook um, Josh Fuentes. Uh, he has been so solid on the defensive front this year. But the offense just hasn't been there. If you can merge him and Tapia somehow yeah. and take yeah. both of their positives and put them together, oh, be fantastic. In fact, they might be like a Ryan McMahon, who has been great on both sides uh, through yeah. the first 13 games. Yeah, and that's the thing where I think the Rockies are going to keep Fuentes around just because of his defense. Yeah. Um, the numbers even last year showed, uh, the, the um, peripheral numbers, I should say, or the advanced numbers. Um, showed that he had a lot of good luck last year and he hasn't had that luck this year. No. Otherwise everything's the same. No, I, I agree. And he's, he's, let's be honest. He has not been good at the plate. And it also it's because the Rocky, uh, him and the Rockies in general, they don't walk. I mean, uh, the, the amount of times that Fuentes swings at the first pitch and either gets an out which is most of the time because that's how it is for every single mlb player mike trout hits 320 and guess what he still gets out 68 percent of the time um but for fuentes it's either an out or a single he's, he's not going to hit for much power at least he hasn't shown it yet but he constantly constantly is swinging first pitch where with some teams like with the dodgers they could say, eh, we'll, we'll throw a slider that's a foot outside. Okay, he's going to swing at it. Okay, you're already in the hole, nothing in one. Well, we are coming up to the end of our podcast, which means only one thing. It is time. For me to rant. For Noah's rant. Noah Yingling, rant away. Okay, so we've discussed umpires before here. And... Really? And we have, you and I are both of similar minds that we should not be uh, having robot umpires, at least yet, because simply there's not the technology. If you don't believe it, look it up. Don't believe uh, the people who haven't done research on it um, or people who are, you know, actually involved in the games because for example, Bud Black earlier this week, he's after he got ejected, he said they do a great job. I just thought those few calls were not great. The pitch he got thrown out on, if you want the robot strike zone, that pitch was actually within the margin of error. So that may have been called a strike with the robot umpire. So that that's part one. Second part. Umpire review. Okay. So you go to New York, you have a weird play like the Rymel Tapia play in the outfield, and they review it, particularly for fans in the stadium. You're like, okay, what's going on? They just signal, they just point, point, save, or point out. Okay. So what happened there? They need to have it like the NFL, where they are on the microphone 
broadcast can hear it and fans in the stadium can hear it. Um, that was uh, what I've heard. It was going to come last year, but with COVID, it didn't. And this year it's been delayed due to COVID. They're hoping to get it by the postseason. Um, but also, too, it's been rumored that the umpires union nixed it because they didn't want to speak to 50,000 people in a stadium plus hundreds of thousands of people watching. So, but it needs to happen. It's, sorry, it, I, you can be afraid of public speaking all you want, but when you're, when you're in the spotlight there, which you are because nothing else is happening, you need to say, okay, uh, McMahon is out at third because he was out of the baseline and Tapia's safe at second or whatever, especially when there's multiple things going on. Now, if it's a simple bang, bang play at first base, that's easy enough. But when there's, when there's multiple things going on, you really need an explanation. Thirdly, with umpire review, I can't tell you how many times that you see fans on Twitter because you know it's very rational people on Twitter um, who blame or even fans in the stands who are blaming umpires on the field for a replay review that was wrong. They have nothing to do with it. For example, the, the Philadelphia Atlanta play Sunday night baseball last week. You look at it live, you look at it live real time. You probably thought he was safe. That's what the umpire thought. He was standing right there. On review, it, uh, once you saw the home plate one, you saw he probably didn't touch the bat. I didn't see it right away, even on the first replays, but it was the behind the plate one. But then there's like they, uh, the Braves face the Marlins the next day, and there was another replay that was weird. And people are blaming the umpires on the field. They have nothing to do with that. They're just told from New York, okay, call this. For example, it was probably five years ago now. Mike Redmond, who's the Rockies bench coach, was the Marlins manager at the time. And there was a play at the plate. It was a catcher's interference thing because it was the Buster Posey rule. It was the first time that was in play. And... The home plate umpire, who was the crew chief, Mike Winters, who has since retired, um, he came over and he, he flat out told Mike Redmond, I have no idea why they overturned it. I, I can't tell you. And still, Mike Redmond was going nuts. Now, in that spot, he, he was probably trying to fire up steam. But there's fans. Oh, Mike Winters, uh, he messed up there. No. Talk to the guys in replay. Now, also, too, with that, there should be more oversight with it and the media at least knows who is uh, who are the crew chiefs in replay review um because last week for example it was joe west and bill miller joe west everybody knows and bill miller was the crew chief of the world series last year by the way cowboy joe is in denver this weekend so for the robot umpire people you'll love that so <laughs> um so but so but they need there needs to be more oversight of that knowing who made said call and knowing, Hey, okay. If it was this umpire and replay, it called it this way, not the umpire on the field. So 
lots of things that could be streamlined yeah. and wouldn't make fans slightly more rational perhaps probably not because of twitter but we can we can always hope well and i, and I think communication as long yeah. as people know what's being said and why because it, it's whenever they're left to their own devices that people go oh and they start coming up with their own things yeah uh, always interesting there well, no, it's going to be an interesting three games at Coors this weekend. Uh, obviously, we're going to be watching that. I will be uh, in the press box for all three games. Uh, we're reporting uh, live on Twitter as well as on rockspile.com. And uh, then we'll have a day off, and we may need to regroup then and kind of look back and, and look ahead during that time as well. be interesting to see. Yeah, and uh, another big weekend, another big homestand. It's yep. not going to be an easy one. It's not. It's not. It will be chilly. If you are coming to Coors on Saturday, bundle up, especially for that night game. It's going to be a cold one. Uh, it will be at least dry, but trust me, it is going to be chilly uh, here at altitude. So, hey, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, thanks as well to our new sponsor. Uh, we are very glad about that. Tell them one more time, Noah. Minute 15 is the promo code for 15% off at Earth, E-C-H-O, foods.com slash minute media there you go well we are uh, we're very appreciative of them we're very appreciative of you for listening to this episode of the rocks power rockies report kevin henry noah yingling signing off and as always go rockies for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.